Welcome to Impact OC, the only program showcasing the people and organizations shaping Orange County. With your host, Don Camber. Hello, live from the OC Talk Radio studios at UCI's Beale Applied Innovation Center. I'm OC Talk Radio Public Affairs Director Don Camber with another great guest positively impacting our community. Today, I welcome mental health expert and psychologist Dr. Leigh Bellhumer, who is the CEO of the Laguna Hills based nonprofit Western Youth Services. She's a subject matter expert on adverse childhood experiences and resilience as well as a best-selling author on these subjects. She's here to talk about how Western Youth Services helps children and youth in Orange County who are in extreme psychological distress. YWS provides very effective trauma-informed care for individuals, groups, and families, as well as prevention services designed to intervene early and often. The impact of these services that the youth build their self-esteem, regulate their behavior and their emotions, discover their strengths, and put them to good use. Thank you, Dr. Bellhumer, for being on Impact OC. Oh, it's so great to be here with you, Don. Thank you so much. Dr. Bellhumer, please explain the demographics of your clients, their situations, and how you help them. The demographics are that we have clinics in multiple locations. Many of them are sort of embedded in the community of low income and um, underserved children that need mental health services. And the impact that we're having is that we're providing mental health services uh, to those in extreme psychological distress, as you mentioned. How do you find them? Well, all different ways. Uh, we're embedded in school districts, and so we get referrals uh, from you know personnel in the school district, teachers and principals, and those where we are. And in the clinics, they can walk in uh, if they you know we're in a directory, and they can walk in to get services. We also are one of the main referrals from chalk when kids are coming out of the hospital and need that level of support to um, help them get back into the swing of things. And so it's really from all different directions, other community-based organizations really know us. We're very well entrenched in the county and individuals that know anything about children's mental health know who we are. Explain the situations where you can help. I want to tell a story Go ahead. about that. And it really describes sort of a typical client that comes, you know, in our doors. And so I'll kind of describe maybe two different stories. And one is that this child was on Medi-Cal, came into one of our clinics, and was talking to the, the parent, was talking to the therapist, and said, I don't like my child. And... And so he was acting out, you know, he had, he was throwing tantrums in the schools. Uh, she couldn't control his behavior at home. He was very uh, defiant and slamming things. And really she kind of didn't feel safe with him in the family, uh, in the family setting in the home. And so how we approached it is, so this family, you know, got referred to us by the school district, I think in this case, and so what we did is we immediately assigned them to a therapist that worked both with the parent and with the child. And it really, as you mentioned uh, in the introduction, it's really about finding their strengths. So one of the things we 
really encouraged was for the mom to say, is there one thing that you really appreciate about him or a quality, a strength that he has, a, a little trickle that we can kind of work with? And she said, he's very smart. And so we said, well, let's find him doing something right when it comes to his intelligence. And so it just started with that, just, just look for things he's doing right. And then on that end, I just am really happy to say that over maybe a three or four month period, she was able to come in and go, oh my gosh, I really appreciate these things about my son. And it was just so heartwarming to, you know, sure, there were still challenges, but she wasn't in the place where she didn't like her son. And then with the son, we worked through play therapy, which is using toys and games sort of metaphorically. And so an example would be, you know, using a motorcycle and they're, you know, going bad guy, bad guy. And then you, you know, and you know that the dad drives a motorcycle. And so you work in the, in the metaphor, you work in there to say, you know, just to help them tell the whole story, but it's in a story, a story within a story. And so you help intervene in that play in a way that you're, you know, giving support and encouragement and yes he's a bad guy or you know not in that case but you know just what's bad about him what's bad about the motorcycle driver so i don't know if i'm doing no, it keep just going. no you're, no, you're, you're bringing us in you're yeah. letting us understand when you get a client to understand where the client is coming from right. in order to know how to help the client we want to understand yeah. we're the outside looking in right you're telling us the parent's okay. point of view so continue please okay so um, I'm not doing play therapy justice. You know, our clinicians are so world class, and you know that's uh, you know what they're trained to do, and they really do a great, great job. And so that's just kind of an example. But the other thing is that we work with the school uh, personnel and any of the other people who are who the child is in the care of. So in the case with the schools, we might talk to the teacher, the principal. This little boy was spending a lot of time in the principal's office because he was also acting out in the classroom and you know, wasn't doing his work and couldn't sit still. And so we really also work with the teacher about how to you know, give support to how to manage that kind of behavior. It's also strength-based, find the things that he's doing well and really build on those kinds of circumstances. So what is adverse child experiences? So adverse childhood experiences are actually 10 specific types of adversity that fall in the category of abuse, neglect, and family dysfunction. And ACEs, as they're called, is based on a, a research, um, you know, a study um, many years ago. I think it was late 90s. And, it, and the study identified the connection between adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, and physical health problems, and mental health problems, and social problems, and financial problems. And it really, like for people, and there's 10 of them, so as the number of ACEs are increased, you know, if you ask them, you know, have you experienced these, any of these 10 right. things, 
as the number increases, so does the risk of these other behaviors. So the biggest risk for children as their ACEs, that their exposure to ACEs, the number goes up, but the risk for suicide is much higher for children that have four or more ACEs than those who have zero or one. And so it's like that's, so we compare, we, we at Western Youth Services, we are experts in ACEs and also some of the other kinds of adversities that children you know, are experiencing and looking at the connection specifically to the adversities they've faced you know, whether it's abuse, trauma, um, you know, family dysfunction or neglect. And we know the risks. So we, that's where we come in and, and intervene early and often on the prevention side. Because again, let me just go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Uh, because one of the things that we know is that, for instance, in a classroom or in a school, we know that those schools those campuses that have fewer crises have more prevention programs. So I'll say it the other way too, those schools and classrooms and campuses that have more prevention services have fewer crises on their campus. So we've been taking like a sort of a holistic approach and you know, there's a lot of children in extreme psychological distress in Orange County, absolutely. Before, before the pandemic, it was one in three, and now it's, I think, you know, a lot more. And so, or one in five, sorry. It's, <laughs> it's okay. one in five, and now it's like maybe one in three. And so that number is a big number in Orange County. And so we know that children who, without intervention, are more likely to have these mental health problems. And so we also started to build prevention programs to get, again, get in early and often. So we do things like lunch, lunch clubs at school campuses and social emotional learning exercises for kids. And we build that you know relationship at the school. What are the, the ages of the students you're dealing with? Zero to 21, actually. And so, but predominantly school age in the schools where we are in elementary schools and then with the really extreme you know there's a lot of you know teenagers and adolescents that are really struggling now as well so do you provide the services at the school or different sites we have clinic based in the clinics and then we have school based in the schools and then we have other community based organizations or community based locations where we meet the families where they are. If they need a home visit, we go to the home. What are the signs of mental distress that we all need to look for in order to get help? Mm. That's a big question because there's so there are so many, really. But I would say changes in behavior. Like if, if a child was doing well in school, and had lots of friends and was you know doing well socially and then all of a sudden they they're different they're more isolative and they are not hanging out with their friends and they're just kind of listless and not participating in activities that they used to participate in and you know um, that might be a sign of, to look for you know something that's um, 
depress, you know, a depression, more than sadness, depression. And for anxiety, which is the other one that really is a high number of kids are coming to us with anxiety, it's really looking at how they're coping with the normal day-to-day activities. And so if before they would able they were able to really sort of manage themselves and follow through with things and you know not get rattled about things and then all of a sudden that you know they're more anxious or you know you can see it you know they're more um, nervous and they might not want to go out to play if it's a younger kid and so there's you know there's signs of anxiety that really are also if there are changes in the behavior that look more like behavioral and emotional dysregulation and things that we talked about in the beginning like they're not able to regulate their emotions they're not able to regulate their behavior and so there'd be more things acting out in those areas what are the consequences if they're not treated Mm. that's also a very big question so we're going to go back to aces to just give a little context for that and i know i mentioned data but go ahead this is what i'm going to say for those for those children who experienced a lot of neglect, abuse, and dysfunction in the family. It could be an alcoholic parent. It could be um, separation from, you know, a loved one. Maybe they're incarcerated. Uh, It could be mental illness in the family. When they are not treated, they are way more likely to... um, really they would be in those categories of really um, social issues homelessness mental illness suicide physical health problems they're really there's like you know heart disease lung disease you know those things they go up the risk for those go up the higher that number of abuse and neglect and you know dysfunction in the family And so that's the risk, but the intervention really, again, is like building that resilience, building the resilience, which is lots of different ways we do that. Yeah, how do you do that? How do you build resilience? Well, I think one of the things is for children is having a caring, dependable adult who believes in them, who really cheers them on and, you know, uh, sees the good in them and and sees the strength in them and really encourages those things. And then there are outside sort of protective factors or do they have access to, you know, a library? Do they have a teacher, you know, that believes in them? And just things that really support the child, both externally sort of in the community and also internally, that would be. It would also be looking at really helping them understand themselves and this is where the caring adult comes in understand what their strengths are understand what their you know sort of superpowers are and and then building on those so that they they like get that into knowing clarity of who they are and so then when these things come you know these winds come there they can be grounded in that identity of like you know i'm a great soccer player i'm a you know i'm really courageous and so when things come in and and they're and they're hearing things that are different than that they can really stand in that identity that they have 
And so it really, like, the biggest thing is building that self-esteem. You know, it's kind of a trite thing to say, and also it's so, so, so important. Give us some examples of some transformations that you've seen from kids who've been through the treatment, and then they kind of came out of mm. it because they had the treatment. Oh, that's really great. The Okay, the other story I want to tell is that sometimes when children are, you know, having difficulty and they go to different practitioners or they're at the school and there's a school psychologist and then there's another, you know, person who's helping in a school counselor and then they're, they're you know, mental health professionals and the principals involved. And so there might be all of these different people that are not necessarily on the same page. And so what we do is really make sure that the entire people that are supporting that child are all on the same page, so we're all working toward the same thing. So we've, we've had results where children come in our doors and literally say, I want to kill myself. I want to die. And then when they're walking out of our doors and they've graduated from that, they're like, I have a reason to live. And, and that's like so amazing when we see that you know there was another child who came in that was mute stopped speaking because of the trauma that she'd been exposed to and the therapist was so patient with her and you know even started talking to her with like a little flower she'd walk outside and like a little honeycomb or something like that and you know talk to her through that and eventually the parent came running back into the clinic from the car and said, she talked. Oh my gosh, she's talking. And so there's so many symptoms that come up for these children and no child, obviously no child is the same. And so we really precisely look at each child and say, what are their needs and how can we meet them? And sometimes it's basic. Let's get the family safe uh you know and and you know emergency um uh, safe in terms of like do they need a food bank do they you know are they hungry is there you know um housing instability you know there are resources out there so we just you know cover them with resources as we know when they come in the door what they need how are you funded we're predominantly funded through the County of Orange, and it's children who have Medi-Cal, who are on Medi-Cal. And then the school districts also fund some of the services that we provide. And what we've found is there's really a shortage of funding for the prevention services because it's often like, it's like you wait until the crisis is there, and then you know the child needs crisis services and, and so, of course, we're going to, you know, um, provide those emergency services and really, again, the, the evidence-based treatment. That means that treatment that works, we're going to provide that. And then, and so the schools often, you know, there's not funding for prevention necessarily. And so they, they end up, in, the crisis is there. And so we're really looking to expand the resources that we have to provide prevention services. And we're looking in lots of different areas for that. Explain prevention services. So prevention is really like those services that intervene, like we, if we identify a child that is at risk, maybe we've looked at the ACEs. And so what we do is like 
we would provide lunch club services where it's basically one of our one of our behavioral health specialists is sitting at the lunch table and building you know activities that are helping them build their self-esteem and you know um, learn empathy and you know all of like the the tools and and experiences that they have to really be able to cope and so i think that's the fastest description I can make of prevention services. What's the foundation for positive mental health for children? That is having a caring, dependable adult who believes in them. That's the foundational thing. And and so we start from there. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we tap into other people that are supporting the children. I think the other thing, I want to go back to the prevention. So anything that supports their social and emotional learning. So social, helping them learn to have good, positive relationships with other people, with their peers or with superiors. And then the emotional is really helping them with like smaller, not therapy necessarily, but like really what are the things that we can help them do to regulate their emotions? So they might have, you know, activities that, you know, have them write their emotions on a piece of paper, literally, you know, like, and then there's a lesson that goes along with that to help them understand that their emotions are valid and that there are ways that they can build resilience. What's the duration of treatment? Well, what I would say is on the average for extreme psychological distress in the clinics, it's, it's an average of six months for individual therapy. And then for a fraction of the cost, we can you know, provide an eight-week prevention program like Super Resilient Youth is another example. We can get in there and provide an eight-week program and we can provide that program for a whole classroom in over eight weeks of, you know, 30 kids, eight weeks for the, for half of the cost of one hour of therapy. So by you having a whole class, can you explain what the change would be in the class after they've been through the treatment? I want to go back and reiterate and correct myself. So it is an eight-week program, but the comparison is one week with 30 kids. One week of services for 30 kids is half the cost of one hour for one kid in extreme psychological distress. So what we found in those children in that eight-week program is that they are more confident, they know their strengths and their superpowers, they have a tool and a, a strategy to help them, you know, pause, identify their superpower, and then take action in the direction of their goals or the things that they're supposed to do. And so what we find is that they take action that is more in line with the best version of themselves, and they're able to regulate their emotions better. They're able to tell someone, I'm feeling sad right now. I'm feeling angry right now. And then there's intervention that the teacher learns of like, okay, what to do in that honor the, the feeling. So they're able to, to share what they're experiencing. And again, that superpower, they know what their strengths are and they put it to good use. 
Well, all I'm thinking is these are the people you are reaching, but there's a lot of children you're not reaching, and we see them probably every day. If we encounter that, how should we approach a child who may be experiencing some mental issue we think? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you have the signs, like we said, like there's extreme sort of shift in their behaviors, there's you know, there's 211, which is a resource for uh, children to get plugged into different services. You can email gethelp@westernyouthservices.org, and we'll have somebody who will like navigate and put them in, you know, the right resource. And really, again, to support their emotions, meet them where they are, which means like if they're feeling really sad, then you're feeling really sad right now. Let's, you know, and then if it's let's get you some help or you know, how, you know, how can I help or, you know, just allowing them the opportunity to really express their emotions and what they're feeling. And sometimes children are resistant to that. And so I think that the best thing that we can do through all of that, if it's, you know, if they need help, let's get help for them. And also, if it's like not that bad yet, it's really just what are their strengths, build them up, say the positive things that you see in them so that they don't always feel because you know the pressures on the outside not you know we were talking earlier about how when kids were bullied in the past they could go home and be relieved of that you know for the evening until the next day and now it's it's everywhere and so you know there's there's this bombardment of i'm not good enough i don't look good enough i'm not smart enough you know those are some of the things that they're dealing with and they internalize that and they believe that about themselves thank you western youth services ceo psychologist dr lay bell humor for being on impact oc and i thank everyone for tuning in i'm oc talk radio public affairs director don camber Have an impactful day. You've been listening to Impact OC, the only program showcasing the people and organizations shaping our community. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio.